Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We're back. We were, that last episode was the first episode we recorded in 2024, and we were so excited to be in the studio. We had to do a part two. This week, we are diving into Marriage Real Talk. And we're going to be giving all three of our perspectives. We've got Katie with the two kids. We've got me as a newlywed. We've got Sugar and all of her adventures and some stuff that she's going to dive into later. And really just dismantling what it takes to make a marriage work. I'm here to get advice from these ladies since they've been doing it for longer and to share what we're hoping to create in our marriage. We have my husband. I love saying that. My husband is back in the studio with us. (laughs) And yeah, and we're just excited to be here. Thanks for being willing to do a part two, ladies. Yeah. All day. We could do a series. Like I was like, yeah, let's do this once a month. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, my wedding? No, just kidding. The gifts just keep coming with your wedding story. We got your video today and it was like, I cried. I was watching it like crying. Mm -hmm. It was so sweet. Your vows. I loved um, in the video, it like opens with something that you were saying about how you were looking for a fun time and you picked two things and it was stability, kindness. And what was the third one? Do you remember? Wait a minute. It was, I I was like, that is it. That is my vows. Resilience. Resilience. What you really needed was resilience. And it was. Yeah, I thought I was looking for adventure, but I really needed. Yeah, resilience and stability. Shit, where are my vows? You should have prepared me for this. It was really beautiful. (laughs) And I was like, that is it. And, anyways, you look so beautiful. And then she was like, you sang all these songs for the to serenade basically in the entire evening. It was just really, really. I wrote our first dance song and Ryan heard it for the first time at the wedding. I, did, I wouldn't let him hear it before. I actually recorded it the night before the wedding on this microphone in my hotel room. Of course you did. <laughs> I already had the piano track recorded, but I was like, the night before recording the song, you know how weddings are? Everything happens last minute. Is it the best recording ever? No, but it's heartfelt. I was going to re-record it, but then I was like, no, that that's a special, it's like a sound time capsule. Me mm-hmm. in my hotel room re-recording it. How was that for you? Interesting. It was amazing. It's so yeah. beautiful. It was amazing. I heard it, I heard it in the, as our dance started, and it was amazing. I don't know what else to say. I knew it was happening because you told me. Yeah. But um, I was curious to see how it unfolded. I was so in the moment with you, though. I wasn't specifically paying attention to the song. Yeah. It was I get that. Just our first dance. The, your whole what you guys know this getting married is a vortex the entire day. Mm hmm. You feel like every whole engagement until the wedding is over and you're home and you're like, what the fuck? So we just, it's funny, we just got our wedding video and I sent it to these girls and we watched it this morning. And I was like, oh, I want to be a bride again. (laughs) I know. The fiance period is so fun. It is. I accidentally called him my fiance the day. I was like, oh, my husband. Yeah, but I don't, I might have shared this on Patreon, but (laughs) one of our, our dear friends, shout out to, Jamie and Yonatan from Word of Mouth, she said, can I give you some advice that somebody gave me on my wedding day? I said, absolutely. She said, when you're walking down the aisle, don't just look at your future husband. She said, do yourself a favor and actually take your time and look both directions at everyone who is there to support you. Really take them in, make eye contact with them. And I did that. And I have to say for anyone who is going to be getting married or celebrating something special, do Mm -hmm. yourself a favor and do that because it was and people looked back at me and it was I've never been to a wedding where a bride did that. And it was one of the most magical moments because I really was able to take in all of the love and support that our wedding was a destination wedding for 98 percent of the people. So. People flew there. People, I had family driving from Minnesota 
and Mm. they showed up and they had fun. And it's just, it's overwhelming when so many people come together. It's just such a magical day. All your favorite people in one place there to celebrate your love. What an incredible thing. We're definitely in a little bit of debt and I don't regret it. (laughs) (laughs) So this this literal same for us after our (laughs) wedding. (laughs) Read a damn thing. Definitely not. Did it right. This how you wanted it. Aww. It's pretty surreal to to be with the Mr. and Mrs. Marsh. Lindsay, having been in like a decade-long friendship with you, it's so surreal to be sitting with your now husband. Having been best friends with you through your last relationship many years ago, and you really are, your love story is a testament that anything is possible in partnership, in creating the relationship of your dreams. So I just want to drop a line to all of our pleasure seekers tuning in from around the world that if you are looking to call in your soulmate, like Lindsay has, you are fucking ready to meet this person. You want this person now. Bring them. What we want you to do is we want you to email us the word soulmate. You can email us at pleasurepositiveliving at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on our Instagram, Pleasure Positive Living. DM us the word soulmate if you're ready to call in this person. And we've got some really special resources for you. We love you. Amazing. And you know what I'm going to do? The video, it's very personal, so I don't feel comfortable posting our wedding video. It's about six minutes. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do, it just hit me. I'm going to post it on our Patreon. Because so many of the people on our Patreon have been listening since day day one. I got DMs and WhatsApps from, from some of our graduates on my wedding day. Oh, Like Danielle reached out and it was just so moving. So I feel that those people deserve to relive the wedding. And if you want to join, the Patreon is really our behind the scenes, close-knit family. We say stuff that we can't say on the podcast. We talk, we go deep down and dirty. Oops, sorry. I talk with my hands. What is our Patreon <laughs> again? It's patreon.com. What? Back. Clit Talk Confidential. Oh, so it's backslash Clit Talk Confidential still? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right, great. Our old name. Yeah, it's that is linked. Com- it's linked in the show notes. In the show notes. Okay, great. We today, we really want to talk about, like I said, what is it dismantling what it takes to make a relationship work? And actually, I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit here because it was mm-hmm. something that you said, Madison, that inspired me our love story. And for those of you who have listened for a while, you know that I had hit 32 and I was very stressed out about not having kids, not getting married. And our love story was not a typical love story. So I don't believe in these rules. Don't sleep with someone on the first date. We did. We did not have. Was that a date? No. <laughs> it Should was we a. Tell them? Should we tell them what we Casual did? meeting. It was a casual meeting that ended up in a hotel room. Hey, a friend introduced us, so there was a little vetting there. Um, mm. But what I want to say is, here. there's no typical love story, and for us, our love story included both of our moms getting cancer, a global pandemic, addiction, trauma, and we worked through it. So, mm. I think letting go of the Disney fantasy and I don't believe in marrying for love, although we do love each other. I do believe that it's not enough. I believe that in marriage, it's finding somebody that we said, and we said, we really went into depth in this in our last episode, was that is willing to grow with you and mirror things back. And so if you want to hear us talk more about that, listen to last week's episode. And this week, what I really want to talk about is now we're in the marriage. I can't wait to hear Katie and Madison's advice and what we have learned so far as newlyweds of. What does it take to not just survive a marriage, but thrive and go through different seasons? And what does it take to keep that intimacy, that love story, whatever it means in that season alive for you, even your sex life? And really be honest. I'll be honest. We're not having a ton of sex right now, but we're having a ton of intimacy. And that's okay for us right now. I hope that's okay that I shared that. So anyways, yeah, I would love to hear from you guys Let's just open up the dialogue. (laughs) One of the things that has been the most impactful, I would say, in one of the things 
that's been that started in COVID. So I feel like when you were inside with someone, the shared trauma has been so bonding in ways that it's new things arose. So I have an issue with my back, like my spinal cord goes out and my ribs move and I need to go to the chiropractor. So during COVID, I couldn't always go. So Ethan, my husband, he we were on FaceTime a lot with my doctor where he was like walking him through how to release some of my muscles. So with that, we started he really started to learn my body in a brand new way. And we've hit we've hit, I think in the last four years, we've had high patches and really low patches where we've both been chronically ill. And it's been a lot. But the one thing that has really stayed through, whether we're fighting or not, like if my rib is out, like he knows how to fix it. And I'm not saying go do chiropractic work on your partners. But like, like I'm not advocating that. But like that's we do. something that my body like it was a need. Like I can't get off the floor. You know, I think people's backs, lots of people's. This happens to a lot of people. So anyways, him taking the time to really learn that. And maybe he can't completely fix it, but he can release the muscles and find them in my body around so that I, to give me that extra space and it gives me that extra pause in our relationship if I'm quick to react when I'm in pain or when you're Mm. sick, it gives me that extra pause knowing that I'm not alone in my pain. Mm. And that I do have someone and uh, there's some tool. It's a tool, really, learning their bodies. And I was thinking about it's made me want to learn his body more, right? So we've been talking about this from a point of view of this is quality time for us together. Mm. And we wanted to emphasize significance of spending quality time together outside of the bedroom, right? So this can inevitably lead to stuff in the bedroom, but it usually doesn't. And sometimes penetration helps my back too. So, right. you know, <laughs> okay. so, yeah. and, and just being able to, even when we're fighting, even when we're at our lowest, like we're not good in the relationship in that given moment. And that's always when I have a problem. Mm. He's, and he still is there to help me in that way. And, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about learning his body, he really loves me to dress him and to find him, go find sales. And he'll tell me like what kind of, like he wants to wear this specific color of blue. He actually wanted me to help him pick the shade and help his wardrobe look more in this colors for whatever reason, for his artist endeavors, his artistic endeavors. And this, that's been really fun too. Yes. I just thought it was so cute. He asked me to and I've always bought him clothes and stuff, but he asked me to dress him for that. And I just mm. thought that was so nice and fun. Mm. Talk about a different level of intimacy, mm. right? When you're, because Ryan has back issues as well. Talk about a really vulnerable place to be, right? Yeah. Like that level of intimacy and trust, it, it was born out of necessity. But what a beautiful connection that you now have and what mm. that spawned. That's amazing, Katie. I want to, Something else born out of the pandemic for us real quick. We bought a massage table. Mm. And now Ryan regularly gives me massages on it. He gave me one. I'm thinking about it because he gave me one last night. And it is, I say it jokingly, but I'm always like, this is better than sex. (laughs) Right. And what? 45 minutes of unadulterated selfish attention to every painful muscle and joint in your body is a certain form of pleasure that you know especially when you're totally relaxed with a partner yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely if you want to spice up an at-home date night do yourself Mm. a favor buy buy an 80 dollars massage table on amazon and give your partner massage i'm telling you they will love it yeah definitely (laughs) and actually i want to just speak to one more thing here of the quality over the quantity when it comes to sex. Because one comment that you made, Lindsay, that's just been like sitting on my heart as we've been having this dialogue is just like, we haven't had sex in a while, but we're experiencing all this other intimacy. And I just want to say for a second that it is not about the quantity of having sex, but the quality. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more 
impactful for a long-term relationship that doesn't just rely on love alone and looks to foster that intimacy in all the other buckets because then it makes sexual intimacy even more fulfilling. And again, that quality over quantity. And personally, I have a partner who, who's a pilot. So he's not here a lot of the time. And so quantity, it's not, a, I used to focus on quantity of having mm, sex, but then I was like, yeah. what, a, that's actually disempowering me. And if it makes me think I'm not having enough sex. And then I was like, how many other people have partners that have really busy jobs where they're just work? Maybe they're an ER doctor. Or maybe, yeah, you guys have that experience too. And when one, one little extra tip here, whipping out the massage table, because we don't always have the desire to have sex after a really long work day or those busy schedules. And I think it can get hard and that's where we have to schedule sex. So something that you could incorporate into massage is ask, actually incorporating a tantric massage element to it, where in that the outcome is not to have sex. It's very important that there's still no expectation. However, opening that container for in, in introducing the sensual touch beyond the platonic massage and going into more of a, 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 of a sexual container with the massage could possibly lead to increased turn on from both partners and could possibly then lead to, hey, do you actually want to have sex right now? And so there's just a couple of different things. And maybe we should do a deep dive Patreon video where I can demo how to do tantric massage. Me and Austin just got trained. So something that I would suggest is do a intensive yeah. training yes. on tantric massage. We got we did a four hour intensive training. Now we know how to do this. And now that little voice in my head that wants to say we don't have enough sex can't because the quality of the sex when we do is chef's kiss. Mm. Yes, please. I love that you just said tantric <laughs> sex. Yes, please. <laughs> because I literally have a note here. This whole learning each other's bodies in this new way has literally manifested something in my bedroom where my husband was asking me about slow sex and tantric sex. Oh, and I was goodness. like, and my body just went, yes. But like and it, by the, I didn't know that I wanted was interested in that until and, he said it. I was like, "Oh yeah," it drew me forward. And I was like, "And by the way, for that, there is certain music that you can play in the bedroom that will literally support your body's rhythm in holding itself accountable to staying in that more slow paced rhythm." So I highly recommend no music with lyrics. I highly recommend mm -hmm. things with more of a tribal beat to it or how, think of like organic sounds in nature that have a slower rhythm, a more, more earth-like rhythm to it. Drums Would are really good for this. Sex playlist, Madison. Should we do that also and then launch? Playlist. Wait, okay. So if you want to become a VIP listener, join our Patreon. We're going to do a deep dive video on tantric massage and then we're going to give you our tantric sex playlist, apparently. Yes. That's what's happening. Great. More things to add to our post-its. <laughs> I'm this. literally writing it down. I have the small, I only have the small post-its left. I need bigger ones. Okay. I love this conversation and how we have really stumbled across our needs and things that need to be taken care of. And I'd love to open up the conversation for that. How do we, how do you all navigate that conversation and really support your partners in that domain? Like when it comes to each other's needs, both people have to be totally responsible. We started talking about this in the last episode and there's a, the needs of each other is become such a different thing when you're married in your own prioritization. And what I mean by that is when we're single, we prioritize our needs first and then than everybody else's. But when you're married, you have to start choosing the reverse, which is hmm. if you're each prioritizing each other's needs first and then and then sharing where your needs are allowing the other person to step in, it creates a really healthy balance in a marriage of everybody's needs, including the relationships being taken care of. I would say yes and... I think it's really important. This is something that we have so many people coming to us thinking that self-care and prioritizing their pleasure is a selfish thing. But here's the thing. If your cup isn't full, if you aren't making sure that 
your self-care is managed, you can't show up that way for your partner. Right. That's valid. I think what I'm speaking to is we have a mental checklist that we do. So obviously we're all taking care of our basic needs as in food, sleep. Health. We are all privileged enough to have right. that. <laughs> we're all privileged to have that. We live in the United States. That stuff is automatic and comes yeah. easy. But when you're thinking about prioritizing needs, if you start making the mental leap of, okay, getting, knowing that your baseline is already met, having that faith that that's met, then choosing to step into your partner's needs as opposed to fighting for your own like perceived needs. And then once that fight is complete, then trying to get into your partner's space, that that's a very single person mindset. But when you're choosing your partner's needs as part of your automatic and kind of your first layer of thinking, and then checking in on if you missed anything for yourself. What Ryan, I think, is speaking to in our relationship is. I'll give an example. We both would deal with conflict very differently. I wanted to stay and fight it out. He wanted to walk away for an unknown period of time. And we had to learn how to both get our needs met. But by doing that, we had to figure out what met the needs of the relationship. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes. And I know now for, for me, in, for example, in that space, as mad as I am or as frustrated as I am, where my instinct is to walk out of the room and calm down and not talk to you. I'm having to stop that need, put that second, and instead put what I've learned about you first, which is you need to have X, Y, Z amount of time. So I have to stop. I have to get rational. I have to articulate, hey, babe, I need 20 minutes and then let my need unfold. And as in, I have to make your need yeah. for communication of a, a window of mm. time over my need to just go calm the fuck down. And I mm. had to, I got to realize how important it was for you to take that 20 minutes and not fight you on it and, and give mm. it to you because I saw the difference that it made for you. So I think what you're speaking to is that's why, he, that's why he's saying both partners have to be willing. Mm -hmm. I had to let go of exactly how I wanted situations to be handled. He had to let go of exactly how he wanted to. And we had to find the middle ground. And how did you Something guys find that? Because this is like very... I a very high level and you're also newlywed. So I love this. <laughs> well, Always put my partner's needs first, but this is different. It's not yeah. like they have to go to the, you have to go to the bathroom, but you let them go first. This is like you're paying, it's nuanced. You're paying attention yeah. to the needs, the emotional, mental needs of your partner. And you are regulating yourself in a way or re reprogramming your brain yeah. in a way so that your new neural pathway allows you to do that. Be like, you understand what she needs in that moment and you're actually able to do it. Mm -hmm. And she is too. But how did you get there to know what the other person needs? Well, I would say therapy. Yes. Tons, okay. Years of transformational work, mm -hmm. this podcast, studying a huge subject matter that has made a big difference in our relationship is attachment theory, your, mm -hmm. your attachment style. A lot of couples are like us. I'm anxious. He's avoidant. They're like moths to a flame. If you're experiencing similar situations in your relationship, it's very possible that you're anxious and your partner's avoidant or vice versa. Mm -hmm. That is one of the biggest communication blunders that, I, that we see and therapy and attachment theory makes a huge difference in finding it. I'll tell you one of the things that my therapist said to me that changed our relationship. So Ryan is mildly on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I like to talk a lot. <laughs> I am a podcaster. I am a coach. I am a, a little singer. overstimulating for your partner. <laughs> it was completely overstimulating. And so my homework assignment. Hold on. And bef before we get to this, it was overstimulating. And then she would get scared, again, anxious attachment when I mm -hmm. started getting overwhelmed and she would start talking faster and more. To try to get my point across. Before so, you bolted. And then of, he would bolt. Right? And it was this vicious cycle. And mm -hmm. with the help of our therapist, my homework assignment was, Lindsay, I want you to see how you can 
communicate and how much you can communicate this week without saying anything. And at first I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Communication is talking. Communication is not just talking. There is a whole world of somatic communication mm -hmm. you can communicate with a gentle touch on the arm or the thigh you can communicate by the way you look in someone's eyes you can communicate by making other noises and this goes for the bedroom too and this developed into something very weird okay i'm gonna share it yeah so i noticed ryan has a love for small, cute animals. Mm -hmm. And people are going to think we're so weird. <laughs> Everybody's weird. And, and not. This is and a judgment-free zone. Yeah. And he also always makes the jokes that I'm a cat. I have very cat-like characteristics, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I've taken this. And this has been something that has developed over time. But I noticed that he would really, if I would cry... It didn't get the same reaction as watching a cute video of a kitten or something. And I don't even know how it happened. I think it was intuitive, but I started to just make cat noises or meowing because I could convey with noise, which works for me, but without words, which didn't overwhelm him. So now we have an entire meowing language. We're not furry. <laughs> and there's... Definitely not furries, by the way. This is but just we should a, do an episode on furries. This is a very effective uh, nonverbal communication. Can you demo this, it. please? No, I want to demo. Can well, you demo I, it for I the world? I have to process the words, right. but I know what she wants, and that it's extremely helpful. Okay, I have different types of bats. Hmm. So if I... Yeah, baby. What do you need? Oh, baby, what can I do for you? So I have different meows, and I have Two an more. intention. I have, okay, more. um... I love you too, baby. What the fuck? Yes. And I want to do this. It works. And and now we get to be <laughs> playful with it and have fun with it. And it's I, just so it, interesting because it, it's like it, what you needed to say fast to communicate to him that was pushing him away really wasn't. And the words weren't important. No. It was just. Oh, my God. I I I'm living for this. Yes, everyone. Yes, everyone. That is a piece. That is a very uh, real tip we are giving I mean, you today. Meow. Create your ever. own language. It's so good. No, no. I want to. It's verbal. It's it's sound, but it is not. The words was what was over. The reason I'm sharing this is because it's a what different we resonance. It's for us. Oh my god. Yeah, we're gonna talk like, like this and I'm making it in my head and I can't stop like the hold on the fact that he knew exactly what you were saying each time like I'm hot right now I can't meow meow I love you too baby oh and then I also That's have amazing. a self-soothing meow like we're all saying meow and he knows that I don't need his attention like yeah, that means you're good that means yeah, I'm good. I don't need you. <laughs> one of the things that I needed to learn was to self-soothe a little bit. So now I just meow sings. He knows that I'm thinking about him, but I don't actually need him. Mm. Ooh. This is going to be another Patreon video. I think we should have another tip. Another video. Mm, to self-soothe myself in here. I vibrate the middle. Yeah, of I do that, too. Singing. Mm. Some sort of like vocal self-soothing is a real thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, I think that goes back to that music with no lyrics, too, in tantric sex. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yes. for me. Stop. Basically, this episode is shut the fuck up and start listening. <laughs> your words don't matter. Like, your you're, don't it's matter. all in your body. Real marriage talk. Your words don't matter. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not how really about this? Saying. Your words aren't necessary. <laughs> oh. So the, the difference that it made for my brain, and this is just to share because I am a little bit on the spectrum, is the instant the words come in, if I'm thinking about anything else, I have to engage my like rational problem solving my section of my mind and process what was said, how it's going to impact me. And so it's forcing an attention shift regardless mm -hmm. of what I'm doing if words are used. Mm -hmm. But with this nonverbal, I can now record and know that there's a need and I know exactly that that I need to pay attention to that, but it doesn't force me out of whatever flow state I'm in. And that was the right. big difference it made for me for my brain. Yeah, I love and that. And I have another thing to add for people who have been married longer, but go ahead, Lindsay. 
No, I was just, no, add it. Then I'll, uh, what are your years? So it, I've been married, Ethan and I, this is our 16th year together. Wow. And our 10th year wedding anniversary. Wait, you're, has that already happened? No, it'll be this oh. year. We got to throw you so, a party. 10 years is a big deal. We might skip away and go be together somewhere. Well, then me and Madison will babysit for you. Okay, perfect. There you Amazing. go. But if you are, and even if you're not in a long-term relationship, I feel like fighting, there's passion in the relationship. But the double-edged sword, right? You want to be responsible for the words that you use. And a great resource that, that I've been using, and it's free on YouTube, is Marshall Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication. Mm. It has mm. been one of the greatest resources in getting me to a place to be able to, to communicate with my partner yeah. and get clear on my needs because That's anger is it, there's a stimulus that creates the anger but the anger is created by what you tell yourself in your head and we just did this lesson on limiting beliefs last night and it's what you tell yourself is actually what you're responding to so it's like you say something that mm. makes you think of it and you almost and then what I do is I shame myself and then I say something really mean yeah you're responding and, to what you're making it mean that the person's saying not just actually what the person is saying yeah it has nothing yeah. to do with what the, so there are more people is, in the conversation you it, it, your partner and both of your egos yeah well, and there, there's a term for that when both people are triggered and one person can't come back down yeah meaning meaning it's you can't get worked out because both people are triggered it's called a double trigger and so especially when navigating challenges when you really have confrontation in your relationship for especially those of you who are, who are currently in one or if you can look back to a, a recent relationship that you were in we can talk through our issues usually when there was confrontation as long as one person is grounded on the ground yes mm -hmm. we can work through we can work through we can talk it out and we can create resolution but then there's certain areas that can be like problem areas like every time you talk about that one thing it brings up a trigger so one of the most important things in a long-term relationship, that. we don't have that for sure. Not <laughs> one of the most important things to become aware of in a long-term relationship is to get very familiar with all the double triggers, all of the things that you both get triggered. That is when you said there's four people talking in the conversation. Nobody's talking, right? And if that, you have a lot of two radios blaring at each other right. yep there you go that's another way of putting it and i would say that is those are the things to go to therapy for or hire a coach for or do transformational work around because those are the things you're having a hard time in the relationship overcoming together and then the other thing i want to put in about marshall rosenberg's uh, nonviolent communication is it's great if you're with a partner who has been who has had trauma in the past, mm. especially in the bedroom and uh, new ways to communicate if you're struggling communicating, just not even in the bedroom. You know, it's yeah, it's really helpful for that as well. I'm going to add one tool to what Madison said, and that is we have we have what we call state of the relationship meetings. Mm. And those are an opportunity if you schedule them and plan them to be able to get out of the house to be able to maybe write down what is the concept of what's working and what isn't working mm -hmm. and being able to discuss it in neutral space because the home has so much emotional attachment. We, you get instantly entangled in normal stuff. Yeah. So get out of the house, have this written down so you can be concise and respectful and do your best to, and I love to like meditate beforehand to really calm my nervous system. So I'm way less likely to get get triggered and you do have an opportunity to potentially address those situations that are two radios blaring because mm -hmm. you're in a neutral space because yeah. you've done prep work yep. and because you've intentionally gone to that space to do just that yeah that's and the great, brilliant the great thing about those meetings is i know for ryan a lot of times and i think this is a pretty common thread in relationships there's a lot of logistical conversations that need to happen. And the timing of those, if it's off for one partner, the conversation goes sideways or your partner feels bombarded or scattered by random requests throughout the week. We've got a whiteboard <laughs> and a calendar that sits behind our front door. Anything that I know I want to, any logistics I want to talk about at a meeting, obviously sometimes it's more urgent, but we, I just make a list. So it's out of my head. He can mm -hmm. know that conversation is going to be happening later that week. And I don't have to bombard him with all my random thoughts which was really overwhelming to him. And then yeah. the other thing about those meetings is 
if you chip away at what Madison was talking about, those old trigger conversations, if you can slowly chip away at those a little bit week by week versus letting it build up and then having a blowout, if you have sacred time where you're getting together and you're having that meeting, and it could be just 45 minutes or an hour, you talk about the logistics, you talk about what's working, what's not working, you chip away at those and you both, and you, the other thing about those meetings is you have agreements about how you're going to behave. There's hmm. no yelling. There's in no the meeting. calling. In the meeting. And That's you both, why I say yeah. Do you have your space, list of your space. rules? We do. Yeah, so we I do. Can... Send them to me. We'll do another Patreon episode oh, on just Patreon. your rule sheet. Oh, there you yes, go. This, this can you write that down? Can you write yeah, that we, down, we Katie? Please. We have a whole set of parameters about what makes this meeting work. And we both have to come. So it's, it is important. Like Ryan and I both meditate before it so that we're coming in in a, a term that we learned from our therapist is when you get highly emotional, it's called a flooded state. If either person is in a highly emotional or a flooded state, you're not having an effective conversation. Nothing That's is right. getting resolved because you're just dealing with the heightened emotions at that point. It's damage That's right. control. So if you what? really want to start having effect, like, effective communications that move these things forward it's got to you've got to be in an emotionally regulated state which is something that I used to really struggle with and I don't know because I grew up in a household where being in a heightened emotional state and screaming and yelling and staying in the fight meant that you loved each other and you could be with any communication and now I'm realizing being able to be with someone screaming at me it used to have zero effect on me and now I'm wondering if it's maybe a bit of a trauma response to like the yelling and the screaming and the cursing. And I'm not saying you can't ever yell. Lord knows I still yell sometimes. But it's just not effective. Right. It sounds well, like you have more space around your reaction mm-hmm. in the moment. And that takes a lot of practice. Our, our Pleasure coaches, Accelerator yeah. program really hits on everything we're talking about in this episode. If you are interested in, in learning more about our Pleasure Accelerator program, go ahead and email us at pleasurepositiveliving at gmail.com. Email the word relationship and we can set you up with a relationship booster call to talk to you about the Pleasure Accelerator program. You can also DM us on pleasurepositiveliving.com. And Lindsay, you said something brilliant last night in our live session with our program. You said you were speaking about expectations and you were like, expectations are resentments in construction. And what I love about the state of the household or state of the relationship meeting is it's really relationship prevention, right? (laughs) It's preventing your relationship to turning into a relationship by being on top of the conversations ahead of them before there's maybe even triggers. Now, I want to speak to one group of people in relationships who've lost that will to make an effort anymore. Mm. There's one, Because maybe you have had so many expectations that you have now all these resentments that have been fully constructed. And so you're super righteous about how you're withholding love from your partner. You're withholding physical touch from your partner. You're withholding your presence from your partner. These are all tells and signs that that sort of that motivation to to, to make the relationship great has gone out. And I want to yeah. just speak to and uh, the concept of navigating challenges when it's like that and just bring it to a, a really good baseline example. If you've ever had a partner who's gone through a surgery, some sort of physical ailment, yep. there was a period of time where you had to surrender your desires and just show up for that person and take care of them. Now, if the relationship is in a state where the motivation or the willingness to make the relationship work has gone out because there's so many resentments from all these built up expectations over time, then that person's probably not going to want to adjust to the new life changes due to this physical ailment. And if you are married, there's a breakdown in that because I just want to remind you of your vows. And I think I just want to bring that theme in here. That those are, these are your vows. No, your vows are a promise that you made to yourself and to your partner. And somewhere along the way, we can get so far away from those promises that we made. And a really great practice if you are married and you've lost the oomph to make an effort in your relationship for whatever reasons and life circumstances rereading your vows as a regular ongoing practice. And for Lindsay and Ryan, that would be one of my biggest marital advices to the two of you is I don't, whatever consistency feels right, but to make it like a relationship practice with each other, to read your vows, to generate your vows to each other 
or to read them for yourself. If you're like annoyed at your partner one day, just be like, I'm going to read my vows to myself just to drop into that yummy space again. I don't even know if he has his vows still. <laughs> no, we could just take the uh, the video. That's and, true. And, and transcribe it with well, AI. It's, it's so ironic because as you're saying this, I know Katie referenced my vows in the beginning. I couldn't find them. I just found them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read you the first three sentences of mm-hmm. my vows. Because they're like, yeah. 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 That means so, yes, please. Yes. And then I have a, another thing. I w- so. I've created monsters. Oh, we're going to do this all the time. We're going to meow with our it's, wow. it's, you guys, it's so fun. I'm, I oh my know. God. And she has a Hello Kitty mug right now. I have my <laughs> kitty right here. Kitty mug. Okay. All right. So here, Katie, this, here. this is the part of my vows that you're referencing. These are the first three sentences of my vows. When I first met you, I didn't know what I needed. I thought I just wanted a carefree adventure. But what I needed was partnership, resilience, and stability, which ironically has been the greatest adventure of my life. Partnership, resilience, and and consistency. Stability. Stability. Yep. Which ironically has been the greatest adventure of my life. Mm. Yep. Mm. That's such a queen code. Like anyone calling in a partner, like you say that to yourself in the mirror. Yeah. But it's true. I think resilience is, I didn't realize it at the time, but it is a non-negotiable. You're, you've you got to find a way to stay resilient in your relationship because there are going to be fucking hard times. And one of the ways that I have found, it's actually a concept from Brene Brown. She really dismantled this concept that a relationship is 50-50. And I'm going to paraphrase here. She talks about it's not 50-50. That's total bullshit. Not everyone's going to be at 50% all the time. So if you're not, if you're at 30%, you have to vocalize that to your partner. And your partner can say, okay, all right, I'll, I can pick up the slack right now. I'll be the 70% that we need. Or if both people are less than 50-50, you've got to sit down, have that state of the union meeting and figure out a prevention plan for a nu- nuclear explosion. Okay, so we're going to Or what to support be, you need to yeah, put like, in place. Yeah, what do we, what, yeah, it's, so we're both together. We don't equal 100% right now. Mm-hmm. We need to be extra soft with each other today. We've got to figure this out. Do we need to hire some coaches? Do we need a therapist? Is there a book that we need to read? Like we're, we're, and maybe it's just for a day or maybe you're steadily at less than 100%. Or maybe it's physical help and you just need some labor support so that you're yeah. not feeling tapped out and tired. Who knows what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But being willing to have that conversation and ha- being willing to be vulnerable. Hey, I can't pull my 50% today. Can you pick up the slack? And we'll literally say that. And I say, and if I'm in a good place, I'll say, yes, I can hold extra space today. I'll do that extra set of dishes. I'll cook dinner for the week, whatever that looks like to help and support your partner if they're less than their 50%. And just, and voice it, put mm-hmm. words to that has made a huge difference for us. And I really like this distinction too, because I, I've found, at least in my uh, you know, previous relationships, a lot of times the expectations and resentments that get constructed so quickly and so easily are from the expectation of this 50-50 and somebody comes home depleted yeah. and emotionally, physically, whatever, and they're just not Or just had a pull, baby. Yeah, and they're <laughs> just, just not able to pull the standard kids. weight. And so the other person's expectation that they're pulling their 50% creates conflict and then resentment and all this stuff. And if you're able to actually get out of that headspace and really get the flow of it, it, it eliminates those expectations and then all the resentments too. And I think yeah. it's fair to say that your partner is always going to fall short, no matter if you try to not have expectations. And something that's really been helping me is giving my partner the benefit of the doubt. Mm. What I see or my perspective of it isn't the full perspective. And if it's something that I see that is triggering or disappointing, I'm like, wait, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. And that really has curbed some uh, edges as well. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. And I just remembered too, I know Katie, you mentioned a book. If anyone is interested in attachment theory and attachment styles, a fantastic book is called Hold Me Tight. And it is by, let's see, it is by half the book. It's Dr. Sue, Dr. Sue Johnson. And it's seven. So it's Hold Me Tight and it's seven conversations for a lifetime of love. And it is 
will rock your world. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this modality is built into the pleasure accelerator like Madison was talking. So if you're really struggling, we offer those free 15-minute calls. Reach out to us. Having a coach, having these ladies coach me, that's the other thing. A relationship takes a community. <laughs> Without it takes a motherfucking ladies, village. Yeah. I would not be married, hands it down. <laughs> and I know that today we didn't dive into the more nuances of polyamorous relationships or non-monogamous relationships. But if you are in an open, some type of open relationship, best be sure that all of what we talked about super applies. And when you're in a non-monogamous container, things it's like a magnifying glass. It exacerbates all of the issues under the surface that don't necessarily get provoked in a monogamous container because because that's not the setup, right? That's not the structure. And so what I want to just point out is that it's really important if you are in a poly type relationship or any type of non-monogamous relationship to really create what your needs are. There is not one way to do poly and non-monogamy. And I've been on this journey of, op of my open relationship for almost seven years. And I can tell you not one season has ever looked the same. And the nature of that is because as we grow, our needs and desires evolve. As life circumstances change, our desires can shift, our needs can shift. So the number one tip I can give you is become more sensitive to what those ever-changing needs and desires are for you. My husband and I just created a brand new non-monogamy relationship agreement Google Doc. Oh yeah, we got nerdy about it as fuck. Because there was all, he was like, what are these new rules? And I'm like, they're not new rules. It's just, I never knew that I needed this before. So we had to get it in writing because especially if you've been open for a few years and if you and your partner don't talk about those changes, I highly recommend you hop on a call with us if you're not, we're offering non-monogamy creation calls. So if you are looking to open up your relationship or you're in a certain open relationship right now and it's, you're having some conflict, you want a little extra support go ahead and email us or DM us the word non-monogamy and we'll set you up with a free non-monogamy creation call. Love it. Mm. Amazing. I have a game that any couple can play, whether you're poly or monogamous. And it's from one of my teachers, my program. It's, do you know the game Heads Up? Where you, yeah. you could dial it on your phone and you like us think, imagine playing that naked. Oh. Just for fun. <laughs> Just to be That's silly. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Like, how fun would that be? That's I one of the parameters of our beating is we have to do it naked. Yeah. If you just start, oh. you want to play a game with your partner. I, I actually wish I would have thought of this the other night. My husband and I were like, what should we do? We're trying to think of something that could have done that. Maybe we'll do that. This We've weekend. been trying to start a game night. Would you guys want to come over and play naked heads up with us? Yeah. No. <laughs> No, she's, I don't want to see you naked. We're talking about with your partner. Oh, you didn't mean or like a partner. game night with friends because that was that sounded fun. Hey, you know what? You guys, you can do whatever you want with it. Naked is, Twister game was, night at Lindsay's house. Oh my gosh, I just got I Twister. A sex party. I just got Twister. A naked yeah. game night priming for a sex party. That would be funny. That would actually be funny as fuck. I'm so naked game night. This idea. Naked that, game night. Like it's just. It's like naked pranks, naked games. Like it's like all about that's that would totally be the kind of play party that you two host. I feel like if you did, it starts with the Jenga. It ends with an orgy. <laughs> yeah, but the Jenga I has to be line. like three people on each level stacked up vertically, and we have to figure out how yeah, to take them out. Human, not the tower fall. human Jenga. No, it's strip Jenga. <laughs> Every time you remove a block, you remove a piece of clothing. Oh, okay, that works. That works. Do you guys ever play like spin the bottle or anything at your play parties or like? I haven't. I played spin the bottle recently. Two years. Yeah, I actually played spin the bottle recently in the last year. At some point, I actually I feel like I've been installed fun though. And yeah, like, like a high school themed play. Let's be real, high school parties were like sex parties. Wait, I wasn't playing spin the bottle in high school. That was like True. middle school. Yeah, so I guess we were. It was more middle. I was in middle school. Yeah, it's like it was more middle school, grade. Like seventh grade. Seventh, Mine was like seventh, eighth, ninth, but okay, cool. Finger cool, cool. blasted in eighth grade. No Mine was more like seven, eighth. Mine was more like high school, I think, but seven, eighth, every I love too. it. I actually sucked dick when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> wow. Oh, my older sister. I got it me, backwards. She told me that only <laughs> sluts sucked dick. So I, that, it's that's, true. How the, that's how the three cunnilingus rule was born. I would let guys go down on me and then I'd be like, yeah, I don't. Basically, you let a high school guy get so horny. You just keep saying no, but you let them go down on you. And normally they were happy with that. 
See, and I wish I knew that. It just gone down on me, and I didn't have to do anything. I wish I knew that because I sucked dick before someone went down on me, and I feel like that's just. I'm gonna teach. If I have a daughter, I'm just gonna teach her the three cunnilingus rule, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the three cunnilingus rule is it. You gotta let them go down. I wish I would have known that. I didn't even know what cunnilingus was. <laughs> it's a nice school. Well, I don't know why the melody nine was like, years older than me. Cunnilingus, cunnilingus, cunnilingus. Do it, Lindsay. Yes, he gives great cunnilingus. Why do you think I married him? That's well, the only reason. Fun. It's the it's one of the top. That's it's one of the top reason. three for sure. Don't marry for love, but marry definitely marry for measure for top. Marry for tongue. Tongue agility. Okay. Yes, <laughs> that's what our therapist told us. Don't marry for love, marry for tongue. <laughs> you heard it here, everyone. Oh, amazing. Well, th- Actually, there's a little bit of truth to that, though. Let's be real, because that good cunnilingus is actually just an indication that someone's intuitive oh, with I their body that- and your body. So I it actually is a good criteria. A, I know I'm saying it in a joking tone, but it really was a non-negotiable for me because that's one of the only ways that I can come. Yeah. Penetration doesn't do it for me. So I had to have someone that was good at much in my box. <laughs> now, now people are just paying attention to my lips. I know. Anyone who's watching is just looking at Ryan's mouth right now. Frankly. <laughs> There's a lot of ASMR in this episode. I bet you there's just going to be a ton of social media clips. Of- the guy, People start making here. memes of us. Oh, my God. Stop. Clip. He does use his gap teeth. He, like, sprays water through them on my clip. Wow. Maybe oh, Ryan should give a cunnilingus, cunnilingus video for our hottest sex tips portal. He could. He's got some wild tricks. I don't even know what he's doing down there. By the way, every sex tip we talked about in this episode is going to be needs to go into our hottest sex tips portal. Also, Clitorati community. If you didn't know, we do have a hottest sex tips portal that you can just buy on our website. We'll link it in the description here if you do want more like in-depth tips, sex tips that we've given here today. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amazing. This was great. This This was fun. Yeah, this is great. We hope that this episode made a difference for you. I know we named a ton of resources. Thank you to my husband for coming Thank you, on Ryan. with us three. Meow, meow. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And with that, Clitorati. Meow, 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 me